بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين نستعينه ونستغفره احمده واستغفره واؤمن به جل وعلا ولا اكفره ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى اله واجمعين اما بعد صدق الله العظيم Surely Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks the truth. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaykum assalam wa rahmatullahi. We thank you all for coming. Mashallah. We want to continue where we left off on Sunday and just to recap a little bit. We was uh speaking about uh the the killing of the man that uh Musa killed and the cop and uh, samari short for Samar- uh, samaritan um and this is where the word good samaritan comes from but actually it has a bad connotation to it so um we was there and we was talking about and let me see if i have that last paragraph that we were reading let me see if this is it Wait, wait me one second Uh, let's see. Nah, I was looking for that last paragraph we read, but mashallah, that's all right. But we we, we went into it uh, uh, a great deal, and um, I didn't want to regress on it again, but suffice to say that... Um, we have and what one of the things that we was trying to explain is that the fact that we as a people have to be very careful and when we are uh here we go just wanted to reshare this again uh, okay all right, so hopefully everybody can see that. We have to be very careful that um, not to disregard the stories of Quran and be careful in overlooking the practical um, qualifications of the story. And one of the things that we said last week is that Musa the story of Musa and the people that he was dealing with and the mind frame of Musa and the mind frame of the people was a set circumstance for people that come after them. And when we, one of the things that we was trying to get across that in our development as a people, we can actually see ourselves historically speaking, as well as present day, uh, applications in the story of, of Musa yeah. One of the things that right off the top of my head comes to mind is the fact of leadership. Here you have a group of people before Musa, and before we get to that part, but just to give a little insight, before Musa was ordained as that Nabi or that um, Exodus for them, the Bani Israel was calling for a savior because the book said that, you know, a deliverer will come. 
that Allah will send another Nabi and will deliver them from the hardship of what Fir'an was putting them through. Once the Nabi came, they gave the Nabi hell. They gave the leadership hell. Now, circumstances may be different, but the mind frame is the same. Look at, the, look at us as an African-American people, and this is no disrespect to anybody else that, of other ethnicities that may listen to this, but look at us. We are constantly talking about leadership, constantly talking about leadership. Mm -hmm. When leadership comes, if it's bad leadership, we are put up with it. If it's good leadership, we'll get rid of it. Yeah, ain't that the truth? So, Musa was one of those type of people that that would not move because his battle was with himself and why Allah chose him for this, knowing the type of mannerisms that Musa had. But the Holy Last Messenger, Muhammad Mustafa وسلم, said, that you will be raised with your leadership. You will be raised with your imams. So now, or the imams of that time. So now, if you take it on a local level, in your locale, if you are going to be raised with your imam, or your leadership, and your leadership is bad, and you didn't speak out against it, knowing that it was bad, not only does the leadership assume the sins of their deeds, but also the jamaat, the congregation. If you, do, if you have not established leadership, according to the seerah of Rasulullah then you will be raised with those people that you follow. You see, because that goes into the Quran where Shaitan disavows himself from man. Because on the day of resurrection, those who follow the Iblis, those who follow Shaitan, will come to him and say, Look, man, you gotta you gotta intercede on our behalf. This is Quran. I'm just giving it in a colloquial language. You're gonna have to intercede for us on this thing, man. And Shaitan is gonna say, Look, I done told you. I just I just suggested. I ain't tell you I I, I you had to do it and nor did I have power over you. I bear witness that Allah is my Lord and your Lord. So don't come to me with this foolishness. So Shaitan will disavow himself from those who followed him. But those people that followed him will be raised with him. Serious thing. But anyway, so on this session, we are going to use uh, uh, stories of the prophet so let's go here. The qualities of Musa in the Quran or Quranic in the Ayat 28, Surah 28, Ayat 14. And when he attained his full strength and he was perfect in manhood, we bestowed on him hukmah, prophethood, right judgment of affairs, and religious knowledge of religion of his forefathers, Islamic monotheism. And thus do we reward the mushin, the good doers. So here Allah Ta'ala says that when Musa came to, to his full strength and was perfect, so that means that everything that Musa went through up until this time was, was a, a, a conditioning 
to make him for right for the mission. You can see yourselves as we can see ourselves as individuals in that because sometimes situations or environments happen that we have we have no control over, but Allah is putting us through a test. And as we said before, a test is something for you to pure or for us to purify ourselves with Allah. A trial is when we have disobeyed Allah and Allah put us through hardship. Okay? It goes on to say, Moses killed kills and the Egyptian. Allah had granted Musa, alayhi salatu salam, good health, strength, knowledge, and wisdom. The weak, oppressed, turned to him for protection and justice. One day in the main city, he saw two men fighting. One was an Israelite who was being beaten by the other, an Egyptian. On seeing Musa, the Israelite begged him for help. Musa became involved in the dispute and in a state of anger, struck a heavy blow on the Egyptian who died on the spot. Upon realizing that he had killed a human being, Musa's heart was filled with deep sorrow, and immediately he begged Allah to Allah for forgiveness. He had not intended to kill the man. He pleaded with Almighty Allah to forgive him. He felt <clears throat> a sense of peace filling his whole being. Thereafter, Musa began to show more patience and sympathy towards people. The next day, he saw the same Israelite involved in another fight. Musa went to him and said, you seem to be a quarrelsome fellow. You have a new quarrel with one person on, on another each day. Fearing that Musa might strike him, the Israelite warned Musa, would you kill me as you killed the wretch yesterday? Now see, <laughs> again, now if you really think about it, we know people like this. We know people that always got to find fault and always into something. And you, you know, they, they, they make themselves so sorrowful that they plead with you and you help them one time. And then, you know, a couple of months later, they in the same thing. And then they want to try to set you up or blame you for it. SubhanAllah. These are the type of people that Musa was dealing with. The Egyptian whom the Israelite was fighting overheard this remark and reported Musa to the authorities. Soon thereafter, as Musa was passing through the city, a man approached him, approached and alerted him, O oh, Musa, the chiefs have taken counsel against you. You are to be tried and killed. I would advise you to escape. Musa kills an Egyptian in the Quran. And this is what Allah Ta'ala says about this in the Quran. And he entered the city at a time of unawareness of his people, and he found there are two men fighting, one of his party, his religion from, from the children of Israel, the other of his foes. The man of, of his own party asked him for help against his foe, so Musa struck him and his fist, with his fist and killed him. He said, this is, this is of Satan's doing. Verily, he is a plain, misleading enemy. He said, my Lord, verily I have wronged myself, so forgive me. Then he forgave him. Verily he is all forgiving, most merciful. He said, my Lord, for that, for that with which you have favored me, I will never more be a helper for the mujerin, mujerin, subhanAllah. 
Mujermin. 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 Criminals disobedient to Allah, polytheists. So he became afraid, looking about in the city, waiting as to what will be the result of his crime of killing. When behold, the man who had sought his help the day before called for his help again. Musa said to him, Verily, you are a plain misleader. Then, when he decided to seize the man who was an enemy to both of them, the man said, Oh, Musa, it is your intention to kill me as you killed the man yesterday? Your aim is nothing but to become a tyrant in the land and not to be one of those who do right. And there came a man running from the farthest end of the city. He said, O oh Moses, verily the chiefs are taking counsel together about you to kill you. So escape. Truly I am to you of those who give sincere advice. So he escaped from there looking about in the state of fear. He said, my Lord, save me from the people of the Valimin the wrongdoers. This is Surah 28, Ayat 15 through 21. So here Allah Ta'ala is telling us very clearly how we can be caught up into something. One, that's none of our business. But two, if you make it your business, it has to be for right, for righteousness. It just can't be for the sake of just doing something. So Musa alayhi salatu salam is coming to the aid of this dude and this dude is making trouble all around the land. Any questions and or comments before we go further? Okay. Musa leaves Egypt. Musa's left, Musa left Egypt in a hurry without going to Fir'an's palace or changing his clothes, nor was he prepared for traveling. He did not have a beast of burden upon which he rode or ride, and he was not in a caravan. Instead, instead, he left as soon as the believer came and warned him of Pharaoh's plans. He traveled in the direction of the country of Midian, which was the nearest inhabited land between Syria and Egypt. His only companion is the hot desert, and, the hot, and this hot desert was Allah, and his only provisions was piety. There was not a single route to pick the lesson, to lessen his hunger, the hot sand burned the soles of his feet. However, fearing the pursuit of Pharaoh's men, he forced himself to continue on. Now, again, I think I asked this last week, but this is why we have to be familiar with the Quran and the Sirah of Rasulullah. Because if we go off of what we think we know about the story of Musa, it would contradict Quran and the Sunnah. And what I'm referring to for most of us that have watched the Ten Commandments or have read the story of the Bible in the Bible of Musa, it gives the impression that, uh, especially in the Ten Commandments, after Musa was um, uh, killed a man, right, he started working in the pits with the, with the, with the Israelites. Then as the movie goes on, um, you know, they say that he was the deliverer and Fir'an arrested him. So instead of killing him in the movie, they take him to the gates of the, the city of Egypt and, you know, give him, a, a, a I think it was a day, three days ration and water. And in the movie, Musa uh, walks across the desert until he gets to the city of Midian. 
So that's totally different than what we see here. Here we see that Musa salam, was informed that Fir'an's people was looking for him, so he escaped and went to the country of Midian. Okay. Moses finds a home among the shepherds. The young ladies returned home earlier than usual, usual, which surprised their father. They related the incident at the spring, which was the reason they were back early. Their father sent one of his daughters to invite the stranger to his home. Bashfully, the woman approached Musa and delivered the message. Oh, excuse, subhanAllah, I skipped that ayah, didn't I? Oh, yes, I did, subhanAllah. Okay. The, in the ayat, in Surah 28, ayat 22 and 24, through 24, and when he arrived at the water of Midian, he found there a group of men watering their flocks, and besides them, he found two women who were keeping back their flocks. He said, what is the matter with you? They said, we cannot water our flocks until the shepherd take their flocks. And our father is a very old man. So he wanted their flocks for them. Then he turned back to the shade and said, my Lord, truly I am in need of whatever good you have, you bestow on me. Um, before, before I go further into the paragraph, this dua right here in quotations, my Lord, truly I am in need of whatever good that you, that you have bestowed on me. So this dua, the Prophet Wasallam, Prophet Muhammad Wasallam, said that this is a dua of distress. So at any time that we as Muslims are in a need of, or we are in a, in a mind frame, physical or spiritual formation of distress, we should quote the dua of Musa. And in some translations, it will say, uh, Ya Allah, truly, for whatever good that you have for me, surely I need it now. Or you will see it translated like this, I am in need of whatever good that you have you bestow on me. I'm in need of it. So in other words, whatever you have for me, I need it right now. So this is taking place after Musa walked across the desert for days. And as we read earlier that, you know, his feet was burned by the sands and the desert was cold in the nighttime and he almost froze. So Allah tempered him through temperature. That also means Allah tempered him or conditioned him emotionally, through heat and through coldness. Being alone, without food or drink, to appreciate what was to come. So therein lies this ayat, Ya Allah, for whatever you have for me, I need it now. Okay? So now it goes on to say that the young ladies returned home earlier than usual, which surprised their father. They related the incident at the spring, which was the reason that they were back early. Their father sent one of his daughters to invite the stranger to his home. Bashfully, the woman approached Musa, delivered the message, my father is grateful for what you have done for us. He invites you to our home so that you may, so he may thank you personally. Musa welcomed this invitation and accompanied, accompanied the, median to their, the maiden to her father. Moses could see that they lived comfortably as, happy and as a happy and peaceful household. He introduced himself and told the old man about his misfortune that he had befallen him and he had compelled him to flee from Egypt. 
which had compelled him to flee from Egypt. The old man comforted him, fear not, you have escaped from the wrongdoers. Moses' gentle behavior was noticed by the father and his daughters. The kind man invited him to stay with them. Musa felt at home with this happy household, for they were friendly and feared Allah. Okay, any questions and or comments? Okay. Musa becomes a shepherd. Now, can anybody tell me who was the father of these young ladies? Nope. Anybody else? I got one. No. Can I get another? No, I don't know. Can Asalaamu Alaikum, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Oh, yeah. I, I said no. I don't know who okay. was the father. Mm -hmm. The father of the women of Midian was Jethro. Jethro who in the Quran is called Shuwaid, Prophet Shuwaid. So here is a descendant from Isak, the Prophet Isak, meeting another Nabi from the, from the lineage of Ishmael. Because Midian is, which is now in Arabia. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. That is correct. Did you take the food over there? Okay. So that's, and, and the reason why we mention this is because, um, you will find that most of the prophets either met another prophet in their mission, right either right before it started or right in the middle of it, or they was contemporaries of each other in two different locations. Now, this is the second messenger that Musa met. met. The first one was Kither. And as we said earlier, salam, the scholars differ of whether or not he was uh, a Rasul or a Nabi. They differ. Or was he an angel? You know, Allah knows best. But what we gave was, from our understanding, that it leans more towards that he was a Nabi Allah because Allah says in the Quran of Kither, that we taught him knowledge from ourselves and we inspired him. And this is the same thing that Allah says about all of the Nabis that went forth in the Quran, that he taught them knowledge from himself and he inspired them or he strengthened them. So, and again, Allah is best known. So it goes on to say, one of the daughters suggests to her father that he employ Musa, and he, as he was strong and trustworthy, he needed someone like him, especially at the waterhole, which was visited by the ruffians. 
And those ruffians was Arabs. You know, the, the sisters had the sheep and the Arabs had the goat. Okay. The father asked how she could be sure of his trustworthiness in such a short time. She replied, when I bade him to follow me to our home, he insisted that I walk behind him so he would not observe my form to avoid sexual attraction. Now, bam, there you go. All right, so this speaks, <laughs> this speaks to the piety of Musa This is also the reason why those Orientalists, those Yahoods, and those who just hate Islam try to say that women have to walk three steps behind the man. And they try to give it a chauvinistic thing about, you know, the men want their women behind them. Well, you know, modern day Arabs, you can never tell what the heck they talking about. But that is not the case. This tradition came from Musa, alayhi salatu salam, and it was incorporated by Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wasalam, that when either your, if it's your wife, she walks right beside you, or she walks very closely right behind you. So you will be out front to observe the surroundings and protect her. If she is not your wife uh, and someone that is eligible for you to marry, then she should walk uh, at least three paces behind you. So that whole thing was taken out of context. But there you go. All right. The old man was pleased to hear this. He approached Musa and said, I wish to marry you to one of my daughters on the condition that you agree to work for me for a period of eight years. This offer suited Musa for being a stranger in his country. He would soon have to search for shelter and work. Musa married the Midianite's daughter and looked after the old man's animals for 10 long years. Now, he asked for eight, Musa gave him 10. This story is very similar to the prophet Yaqub when he married uh, the daughters of the, um, uh, the governor, the daughters of the governor, because he went, he wanted to marry the mother of Yusuf first and the governor said, yeah, sure, no problem. But she had an older daughter. Uh, he had an older daughter, older than the daughter that uh, Yaqub wanted to marry. So in their tradition at that particular time, the younger daughter couldn't get married before the older daughter. So on the day of the Nikah, he had the older daughter veiled. Yaqub thinking he about to get the younger, the daughter that he wanted, and the father tricked him. And in that agreement, he had already worked for him seven years to be able to marry the daughter that he wanted. So when he got to the Nikah and he lifted the veil, he was like, yo, what you trying to do, homie? And then, you know, if it was a brother, it was like, yo, it would be like, you know, it would have been on and popping. But anyway, he went on and married the sister. And so the father tried to come with the shiesty sidewinder you know, type thing, 
and say, well, look, man, if you work for me another seven years, then I'll let you marry this other daughter. So basically he did 14 years. Now, the reason why I'm mentioning this, because ain't none of us going to wait no seven years if Pop Dukes tell us we got to do something. But anyway, but we might work for him for seven years if we're going to get paid. But my reasoning in saying this is because in Islam, sisters have to have a wakil or a wali. And whoever is doting on you, that's an old Southern Negro word, doting on you, or uh, want to court you, calling on you, want to make him your girl, want to make you his girlfriend before y'all marry, he has to go ask permission. If, he, if you do not have a wakil or wali, then whoever your imam is, he will either appoint you one, or he would at least have to ask permission of your imam. What this tells us psychologically is that we are supposed to be attached to leadership to the point where if we do not give bayah to the leadership, unequivocally that we identify with that leadership. And the only reason why an individual may not give bayah to another individual or a pledge allegiance to another individual is because they feel that they may, they personally are not worthy of that, or they feel that they need to have more insight on the life of the Prophet, the Holy Last Messenger, وسلم, before they give allegiance to another man. But this is Islam. And this is where our communities are straying from the Sunnah of Rasulullah. But we can get into that at another time. But I just wanted to put that, those of you who are taking notes, put that in, in your notes for something that we need to discuss. So in the Quran that goes along with the Sirah, then there came to, to him one of the two women walking shyly. She said, Verily, my father calls you that he may reward you for having watered our flocks for us. So when he came to him and narrated the story, he said, Fear you not, you have escaped the people who are valimin, wrongdoers. And said one of them to the two women, Oh, my father, hire him. Verily, the best of men for you to hire is strong and trustworthy. He said, I intend to wed one of these two daughters of mine to you on the condition that you serve me for eight years. But if you complete ten, it will be a favor from you. But I intend not to place under you under a difficulty. If Allah wills, you will find me one of the righteous. He, Musa, alayhi salatu salam, said, that is settled between me and you. Whichever of the two terms I fulfill, there will be no injustice to me. And Allah is surety over what we say. Now, I refer back to the movie because most of us have seen the Ten Commandments that uh, the Prophet Shuwaib had seven daughters. Here it says in the Quran it has two. And Allah knows best. All right, it goes on to say 10 years of preparation. 
Time passed and he lived in seclusion far from his family and his people. This period of 10 years was of importance in his life. It was a period of major preparation. Certainly Musa's mind was absorbed in the stars every night. He followed the sunrise and the sunset every day. He pondered on the plant and how it splits and the soil and appears thereafter. He contemplated what water and how the earth is revived by it and flourishes after its death. Of course, he was immersed in the glorious book of Allah, open to the insight and heart. He was immersed in the existence of Allah, and all these became latent with him. The religion of Musa والسلام, was the same as that of Yaqub, which was Islamic monotheism. His forefathers, Yaqub, the grandson of Ibrahim, والسلام, Musa, والسلام, therefore, was one of the descendants of Ibrahim, والسلام, and every prophet who came after Ibrahim, والسلام, was one of Ibrahim's successors. In addition to his physical preparation, there was a similar spiritual preparation. It was made to made in complete seclusion in the middle of the desert and in the places of pasture. Silence was his way of life and seclusion was his vehicle. Allah prepared for his prophet the tools he would need later on to do righteously bear the commands of Allah and exalt it. You know, this sentence here, where it says, in addition to physical preparation, there was some as well, similar spiritual preparation. It was made in complete seclusion in the middle of the desert and in places of pasture. So dry, harsh, soft, fertile. Then it says, silence was his way of life. And seclusion was his vehicle. Allah the Almighty prepared for his prophet the tools he would need later on to righteously bear the commands of Allah. Now, during the month of Ramadan, what is one of the things that Allah tell the believers? Be secluded. Seek seclusion in the masjid. Why? Because it's quiet and it's safe. So this is why when you are reading Quran, it's almost impossible to read Quran in noisy places because you have to give it all of your attention. So here, Allah Ta'ala is saying that he prepared Musa physically and spiritually in complete seclusion. So even though he had a family, even though he had a wife, father-in-law, he was still in seclusion. So that means he had to go off. This is similar to Prophet Muhammad Wasallam where the Prophet ﷺ went up to the cave to get away from the people. He was married, he had kids, but he had to get away because Allah was preparing him physically and spiritually. Because if you see Mount Hir in uh, Saudi, 
It's some effort to climb that mountain. It's very steep to climb that mountain. So that means in order to do that, you got to be physically fit. And in order to seek to sit in darkness and seclusion, you have to be spiritually strong. So alhamdulillah. May Allah make us of those who depend on him more than we depend on others. All right. Any questions and or comments? I have a question. Yes. Speak up. Speak up. My question is, you said that Hazrat Musa first met Kida and then secondly met Shuay. Hmm. I thought he met Kida during the time of relieving the Hebrews from bondage and had to go back and that's when he met Kitha. So he was already married with children by then. Mm -hmm. So he met Kitha at another time or did he meet Kitha at that particular time? The scholars differ on the time frame. Um, even in the Quran, it, it speaks about the question. Did everybody hear the question? Yes. Okay. So, yes. The question was when exactly did Musa meet Kitha? Right? Okay. So, her question, Sakina's question was did he meet Kitha after he became a Nabi or before? Right? So, most of the scholars differ, but the story leans, and I didn't mean to give a, a chronological order to it, but the story means, leans more to the, to the fact that he met him after he was a Nabi because his companion that followed him, that was with him when he met Kither, was Yeshua or Joshua in the Bible. And we know that Joshua was his right hand and his Amir after Musa returned to Allah subhanahu wa ta So... I just said that he met Kither and then he met Shuei, but it, I was just making the point that he met two prophets, okay? Yeah, or two messengers, or two people that was inspired by Allah. But we do know that Shuei, alayhi salatu salam, was a Nabiullah. We do know that. We, do, we just don't know the status of uh, Kither, and Allah knows best. Okay. And, and the, the second uh, thing I wanted to... Uh, Speak up. The second thing was the importance in um, Hazrat Musa going across the desert um, after his situation and meeting his wife. Mm -hmm. There was no one qualified <laughs> where he was coming from. Mm -hmm. um, I think that also taps into the importance of who we choose as a mate and gets back into what you were saying about lineage and the importance of it. Even mm. when marrying dowry, it covers everything. Wally marrying dowry, who you choose, why you choose them, and the purity in which you choose them. Yeah, that's a that's a very good point. That you know, um, close that window, um, That Musa had to be purified in order uh, to have a wife. He had to be purified in order to have a wife. And um, purified in the sense that to make himself worthy and appreciative 
of what Allah Ta'ala was giving him. You know, because Musa didn't make the trip to get married. Musa made the trip to get away from Fir'an. But Allah placed in this particular circumstance for him after this particular stage that he had to be married. So this also goes to a point that if you have leadership that don't have no wife, you need to be looking at that leadership with a third, fourth, and fifth eye. Because there's no balance to a brother that does not have leadership. Even, even sisters that may be teachers or shakers in their own right. If they're not married, they are unbalanced. So, you know, marriage is very important in Islam, but the way that you proceed towards the marriage is the most important part of the marriage. So, alhamdulillah. All right. Musa decides to return to Egypt. One day after the end of this period, a vague homesickness arose in Musa's heart. He wanted to return to Egypt. He was fast and firm in making his decision, telling his wife, tomorrow we shall leave for Egypt. His wife said to herself, there are thousands, there are thousand dangers in departing that have not yet been revealed. However, she obeyed her husband. Musa himself did not know the secret of the quick and the sudden decision to return to Egypt. After all, he had fled from there, from there 10 years ago with a price on his head. Why should he go back now? Did he look forward to seeing his mother and his brother? Did he think of visiting Pharaoh's wife who had raised him and who loved him as if she was his mother? No one knows what went through Musa's mind when he returned to Egypt. All we know is that a mute obedience to Allah destined impelled him to make a decision, and he did. These supreme destinies steered his steps towards a matter of great importance. Musa left Midian with his family and traveled through the desert until he reached Mount Sinai. Now, this is another thing that differed from the Ten Commandments movie where in the movie it said that, you know, basically Musa and the tribe of Jethro, uh, their house or their home basin was at the base of Mount Sinai. Moses left uh, Midian with his family and traveled through the desert until he reached Mount Sinai. There Musa discovered that he had lost his way. He sought Allah's direction and was shown the right course. At nightfall, they reached Mount Tur. Moses noticed the fire in the distance. I shall fetch firewood to warm us. Now, this is a big note for those who are taking notes. Musa saw the bush. They're speaking about the burning bush here. On Mount Tur, not Mount Sinai. Okay. As he neared the fire, he heard a snorous voice calling him. Oh, Musa, sonorous, sonorous voice, voice, or sonorous voice calling him. Oh, Musa, I am Allah, the Lord of the universe. Musa was bewildered and looked around. He again heard the strange voice and what it, what is in your right hand? And the voice asked, what is in your right hand, oh, Musa? Shivering, Musa answered, this is my staff on which I lean and which I 
beat down branches for my sheep and for which I find other uses. This question was asked so that Musa's attention would focus on the staff and to prepare him for the miracle which was to happen. This was the beginning of Musa's mission as a prophet. The same voice commanded him, throw down your staff. He did so. And at once the stand at he did so, and at once the staff became a wiggling, wriggling snake. Musa turned to run, but the voice again addressed him, Fear not, and grasp it. We shall return it to its former state. The snake changed back into his staff. Musa feared, subsided, and was replaced by peace, for he realized that he was witnessing the truth. Next, Allah commanded him to thrust his hand into his robe at the armpit. When he pulled it out, the hand had a brilliant shine. Allah then commanded Musa, you have two signs from your Lord. Go to Fir'an and his chiefs, for they are an evil gang, and they have transgressed all bounds. However, Musa feared that he would be arrested by Fir'an. So he turned to Allah saying, my Lord, I have killed a man among them, and I fear that they will kill me. Allah assured him of his safety and set his heart arrest. Allah Taala says in the Quran, and has there come to you the story of Musa? When he saw the fire, he said to his family, wait, verily, I have seen a fire. Perhaps I can bring some burning brand therefrom or find some guidance at the fire. And when he came to it, the fire, he was called by name, O Musa, verily I am your Lord, so take off your shoes. You are in the sacred valley of Tura, or Tuwa, Tuwa. And I have chosen you, so listen, so that which is inspired to you. Remember we said that Allah Ta'ala, all of the Nabis, he spoke to them and he inspired them. Verily I am Allah, la ilaha illallah anna. None has the right to be worshipped but I. So worship me and offer prayers perfectly for my remembrance. Verily the hour is coming. And my will is to be kept, keep hidden, keep it hidden. That every person may be rewarded for that which he has strived. Therefore let no one who believes not therein in the day of resurrection paradise or hell, but follows his own lusts, divert from therefore, least you perish, and what is that in your right hand, O Moses? Now, listen to this. This is Quran, Surah 20, Ayat 9 through 24. Allah is, you want to know where we get la ilaha illallah. This shows us that Allah ta'ala, even before the time of Musa, alayhi salatu salam, this was our part of our kalima, our declaration. It was completed on Muhammad or with Muhammad وسلم, La ilaha illallah wa ashadu anna Muhammad rasulullah So here, the kalima that the Nabis had before Muhammad وسلم, was La ilaha illa anna. None had the right to be worshipped but I. So now, Allah says, so worship me and offer prayers perfectly for my remembrance 
Verily the hour is coming, and my will is to keep it hidden, that every person may be rewarded for that which he strives. Therefore, let no one who believes not in the day of resurrection, the reckoning, Jannah or Jahannam, paradise or hell, if they don't believe that and they follow their own lusts, their own desires, divert you therefrom, if they and then turn around and sway you into that direction, for surely Allah Ta'ala says that you will perish. The hellfire is yours. So after Allah says this, then Allah asks, and what is that in your right hand, O Moses? He said, this is my stick wherein I lean and whereith I beat down branches for my sheep and wherein I find other uses. Allah said, cast it down, O Moses. He cast it down and behold, it was a snake moving quickly. Allah said, grasp it and fear not. We shall return it to its former state and press your right hand into your left side. It will come forth white and shining and without any disease as another sign that we may show you some of our greatest signs. So Allah, he used these two small signs, which is a big sign. So you, can you imagine you got it? You remember them old mop sticks, some wooden mop sticks? You throw it down and turn it into a snake. Allah said, grab it. You know most of us scared of animals, so we ain't going to grab it. But Allah says he eased his heart. You stick your hand, your right hand under your left arm, and pull it out and it comes white. These are big time signs. But Allah says he gave him these signs so that he may show him greater signs. Yeah, so he won't be surprised. <laughs> so go to Fir'an. Verily he has transgressed all bounds in disbelief and disobedience and has behaved as an arrogant, as an arrogant and as a tyrant. Musa والسلام, given their duties, Musa and Harun. And we'll conclude with this paragraph and open up for questions. Musa said, O oh my Lord, open for me my chest, grant me self-confidence, contentment, and boldness, and ease my task for me, and make loose the knot that the defect from my tongue. Remove the incorrections of my speech that they understand my speech and appoint for me a helper from my family. Now, for those of you who remember, when Musa was a child, Asiya put this bowl because Fir'an wanted to kill Musa for pulling on his beard or hitting him on the back of the head. So she put a basin with rubies, gold, and jewelry in it, and then she put, like, they say hot timber, but imagine you know, the coal that you use to light your grill? Imagine somebody putting a couple of pieces, small pieces of that in a bowl. So she sat the two bowls next to Musa. Musa started to grab the gold and the jewelry. Tell you that he was a brother. He started to grab the gold and the jewelry and the angel Jabril came and moved his hand to the hot timber. He picked up the coal and put it in his mouth and it burnt his tongue and his bottom lip severely. So Musa والسلام, spoke with a lisp. He spoke with a lisp. So this is what it is saying here, 
that Allah remove the impediment of his speech. Right? SubhanAllah. So, and then he asked for some help. So, to increase his strength and let him share my task of conveying your message to and profiting. And may and we may glorify you much and remember you much. Verily you are of us ever or well seen. Allah said, you are granted your request, O Musa, and indeed we've conferred a favor on you another time before when we inspired your mother with that which we inspired, saying, put him in the child into the tabut, the box, the chest, and put him into the river. And then the river shall cast it up on the bank, and there an enemy of mine and an enemy of his shall take him. And I endured you with love from me in order that you may be brought up under my eye. When your sister went and said, shall I show you one who will nurse him? So we restored you to your mother that she may cool her eyes and she should not grieve. Then you did kill a man, but we saved you from the great distress and tried you with a heavy trial. Then you stayed a number of years with the people of Midian. Then you came here according to the term which I ordained for you, O Moses. And I have an instaka, instanatuka, chosen for you, my inspiration, my message. So in other words, that is bestly translated as a covenant, that Allah have entrusted him with a covenant and inspired him. Go you and your brother with my ayats, my proofs, my revelations, do not and do not you both slacken and become weak in my remembrance. So Allah warned them, look here, go on and do what you got to do, but y'all better remember me much. Go both of you to Pharaoh. Verily he has transgressed all bounds of disbelief and disobedience and behaved as an arrogant and as a tyrant. And speak to him mildly. Perhaps he may accept admonition or fear of Allah. He said, Our Lord, verily we have fear, we fear lest he should hasten to punish us or lest he should transgress all bounds. I just want to finish the ayah. He, Allah said, fear not, verily I am with you both, hearing and seeing. So go you both to him and say, verily we have, we are messengers of your Lord, so let the children of Israel go with us and torment them not. Indeed, we have come with a sign from your Lord, and peace will be upon him who follows the guidance. Truly, it has been revealed to us that the torment will be for him who denies or believes in the oneness of Allah and his messengers and turns away from the truth and the obedience of Allah. Surah 9 through 48. So this ayat is speaking a whole lot of stuff here. A whole lot of stuff. One and four, foremost, that Allah granted the dua of Musa. That he was able to speak to him through Aaron, but Aaron never spoke, except on very, very small occasions. 
and that Allah Ta'ala strengthened him with what he needed to be able to take care of the mission that was needed. And this is true Iman, and this is the note that we will conclude on. That in order to endure whatever hardships that we have, we must have true Iman, we must have true faith, unblemished faith, tempered by the hardships and the relief, the Ursra and the Yusra, the hardship and the ease of whatever Allah has put us through. Because if we was able to realize the ease of a bad situation, then that means that Allah's favor is on us. And there's no need for us to worry or grieve. Inshallah ta'ala, Allah will help us all in this particular endeavor to be able to strengthen our iman. Amen. Is there any questions and or comments? And we'll pick this up again on Sunday. No, no. I just wanted to say thank you for having me, and that was a a great class. Um, I'm happy. It was a lot of content. I am gonna go back and listen to it again, inshallah. we continue to make dua for us, and that may Allah accept this humble uh, attempt to try to share the stories of the prophets with us so that we can also learn the Quran as we are learning the stories of the Nabi. And Sakina said, what's up, Sister Robin? <laughs> what's up? Salam alaikum, sister. Wa alaikum salam. Got a question. Um, when Allah is talking to Musa at the, at the burning wood, No, she in the Quran, she told Asiya, I'm taking him back to my house. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm taking right. him back so, to her, my but house. Was he made aware that these were his family members? Allah is knows Allah, best. Is Allah telling him this for the first time? Is this the first time he's hearing it? I missed a couple of classes, so I'm sorry if I'm asking yeah, questions. You mean, yeah, 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 right, right, right. Allah talks about this as far as his family in the Quran, but Allah Ta'ala does not give any indication that Musa was aware that his mother was his mother, his sister was his sister, his brother was his brother. So, when so okay. at this particular point, we it would be safe to assume, using Ishtihad, that he was inspired to know that Musa, that Harun was his mother because Allah says this in this ayat. And when, he, when we did another test, so he's reminding him that we put you through another test and we saved you before. So there's no need for you to worry about this joint now because we told your mother to put you in and we re reunited you with your mother. All right. All right. Any other questions? 
MashaAllah. Sister Robin, I hope you can attend our, our classes uh, regularly, but I will send you all of the old recordings um, and let me know when you are finished with them. So one by one, so I can, uh, because I only have so much space to keep so many. So as you finish one, let me know. So we, I can delete it and we can go ahead and uh, have more space to record it. So I record all of the classes, inshallah ta'ala. Um, what else? And then on, on tomorrow, no, not tomorrow, Saturday, I do, uh, we're doing a refresher course on Adab, Islamic mannerisms and behaviors. So this is for new shahadas and, and, so, and thus, or people that's young. I would encourage you, if, if Ali is around and he has the attention span, allow him to sit in the class with you. Either or, don't matter. Both classes, one class, whatever, if he's around. Um, because there are very few masters that's teaching on this stuff. So if he can keep still, if he can keep still. <laughs> and not get on your nerves. What is this? Is this? Gonzalez wrote this book, this text you're reading from right now. Say that one more time. You're breaking up a little bit. Uh, who's the author of this text that you're reading from in this class? This, this text, I'm using three books in this class. In this class, I'm using Ibn Kathir, uh, Stories of the Prophet. I'm using uh, Weapons of the Prophet by uh, uh, Massaquay. Muhammad Masakwe, and I'm also using Atabari. Atabari is, uh, or Atabari was a historian uh, that lived uh, like 60 to 70 years after the Holy Last Messenger, he was born, and he was one of the first historians that compiled the, his, the seerah of, uh, of the Prophet from Adam to, uh, it goes all the way to the story of Kabbalah. So I'm using those three books and I switch. So on Wednesday, I'm using this book that I'm reading out now is the stories of the, uh, of the prophets by Ibn Kathir. I can send you the link to this as a PDF file uh, that you can, you can download and save on your computer. On Saturday, the sheets, I'm actually, because the weapons of the prophet is out of print, I got it from Amazon. And, but um, I can send you the sheets that I'm printing out of the prophets that I use, if you would like that. Yeah, I'll look at it. Okay, okay. I, I, I'll catch you up. I'll catch you up. Right. <laughs> I'll catch you up. Mashallah. All right, y'all. If that's it, I will um, close out and y'all enjoy the rest of y'all evening and uh, make dua for each other that Allah helps us to establish the community that we are trying to establish and that Allah will help us to be able to help our those who love Allah and those who love the Holy Last Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. May Allah forgive us all our shortcomings and our sins and have mercy on our souls in this life and in the hereafter. Save us from the wrongdoing of our own hands, those things that we grab without the permission of Allah. May Allah Ta'ala forgive us for the wrongness of the tongue, of our tongue, of our speech that is not pleasing to Allah. 
May Allah Ta'ala forgive us for our behavior and forgetting and falling into shortcomings, into wrongdoings by forgetting about Allah. May Allah Ta'ala save us from the torment of the grave and the punishment of the fire. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. See ya. Oh, wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Hey, Shaykh. What up? Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh from my wife and